Well, it is back to school, like we mentioned already. Isaiah, that's Jeremy's PowerPoint, not my PowerPoint. Although I could try and preach from Hebrews, just pull it out randomly, but that's all right. Um, back to school, all right? That kind of uh, invokes a couple of different um, uh, images in people's mind. Those of us that no longer have to go to school, we're just like, you know, what's the big deal, right? Uh, to all of the children and teenagers, it's like terror. Yes, exactly. Terror in their minds. All of the parents are rejoicing, right? Because they're no longer there. Okay, but, but a lot of times back to school also means kind of a back to basics, right? I always remember uh, my high school English teacher, Mrs. Monroe, okay? No, my desk is smiling over there. My English teacher loved me, um, I say sarcastically. Um, my English teacher did not like me at all. But uh, as we started every year, and most teachers do this, math, English, science, whatever, you kind of start the year, it doesn't matter what level you're at, you kind of go back and start the basics again. So English class, it was like the worst four weeks of my life in English class because we'd go back and go over parts of speech again. And I'm still not sure what all the parts of speech are, but that's all right, I can talk. I kind of can speak English, but uh, we'd go back and we'd go over those before we jumped into literature and research papers and all of the other stuff you do in English class, right? In math, you kind of do the same thing, right? And we all understand this idea, okay? Every once in a while, you've got to get back to basics, right? Um, I think, okay, let's go sports. My Braves fans out there, right? Okay, all of my Junior Trek boys that turned into Dodgers fans just because you're not Braves fans, you're killing me. But... Braves fans, you, you know, if you've been keeping up with it, we got our shortstop, Dansby Swanson, okay? And some of you guys are like, who in the world are you talking about? It's all right. Um, shortstop, okay? He got brought up last year from the minor leagues, and he was doing pretty good. Started this year again, and then recently they sent him back down to the minor leagues, right? Because he needed to get back to basics, right? His swing was a little messed up. Got to go back, give him some time to work on it. Of course, then people got injured. They had to bring him back up to the major leagues and all of that. But that's that understanding of no matter what level you're at in, in your profession, in school, you got to take some time once in a while and get back to your basics, right? Make sure you got those solid, and then you can move from there. Um, and that helps us every once in a while in our spiritual life, too, to get back to basics. So that's kind of where I want to go today. Okay, start of the school year is a good time to do that, right? Our clubs are starting back up in a couple of weeks, the Awana and Word of Life clubs, and we're going to be doing this. We get back to basics. So somebody tell me, when we talk about in our spiritual lives, the basics of our spiritual lives, what, what kind of things are we talking about? What would you guys say? The Holy Spirit, okay. Something else. Studying His Word. Right? Getting into, getting into doctrine, getting focused back on the Word. Okay? What are some other things? Prayer. Prayer. That's huge. Huge part of it. Okay? What else? Evangelism. Evangelism. Good. Very good. Right? Um, or just the gospel in general. Right? If you've been here the last couple of Sundays, uh, we've been in Hebrews. And that's, that's really gone into the gospel a lot. Um, and, and so please keep coming back. If you haven't been able to get in some of these, these messages, um, you can check us out online or on our Roku page or on our app. A little plug there, AVT department. Um, but you can go back and watch some of this stuff. Very clear presentations of the gospel. 
Um, but something that I want to get into today is something we talked about, just heard up front. Getting into God's Word, or um, really family or devotions, and, and getting into God's Word every day on an individual level. So that's where I want to go today. Um, and this is a great time of year to really get into it. Um, so I want to, like I said, this is going to be basic, um, but this is good for us to, to get into the basics sometimes. So what I want us to do is, is go through and, and talk about devotions, and let's start with why, okay? We always got to start with why we do this in the first place. So why do we do daily devotions? Why do we do that? If you've got your Bibles, open up to 1 Peter 2, verse 2. Okay, we're going get, to get a couple of different places here, but um, we're going to talk about why. Why we do daily devotions. 1 Peter 2 is a, a great verse um, that really shows us what our attitude should be towards God's Word. Um, if you don't have a Bible, you can grab one there, the pew in front of you. Uh, download the CBC app and open up to the Bible section. There you go, another plug. I got you, Carver. Okay, I got you. But 1 Peter 2, verse 2, it says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Okay, this is a very vivid picture for us. Those of us with babies, right? Matt's back there. Okay, you understand. Those of, those of you that have had babies in your house or been around babies, you understand this, okay? Now, if we remember from, from Jeremy talking in Hebrews, okay, every time you see an illustration of babies does not actually mean this, the same thing in the Bible, okay? But this one is it's a great picture for us, okay? If you've ever seen a baby when they're hungry, they let you know, right? They cry a lot. Okay? They're hungry, and that's all they can think about. And they want to get that milk, that food, so they can stay alive. Right? So why do we do daily devotions? It's our spiritual food. Spiritually, that is our food, is God's Word. Right? Um, those kids that went with me on Junior Trek, we, we talked about uh, life being a race, and the race of life, and you know, obviously it's, you know, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint, you've got you to gotta keep going. You know, slow and steady wins the race. We, we covered all of these things, but we also talked about you got to have food to get through this race. Um, those of you know, because I talk about it all the time, okay, I, I'm a triathlete, and I go out and I run long distances uh, and bike and swim and all of that stuff. Uh, and, and this race I'm preparing for coming up next month, um, you can pray for my wife, because it's probably going to take me about five hours to get through this race. Okay, so think about that for a second. If I'm burning say 800 calories an hour for five hours. That's a lot of food you gotta eat you know, while you're riding your bike, right? But you gotta keep that nourishment going or you're just gonna fall over and pass out, right? You can pray for my wife because she's gotta keep feeding the kids to keep them occupied during that five hours. Um, but in our spiritual life, if, if life is a race, we gotta keep that spiritual food going. Our food is the Word of God, right? That's what Peter's saying here. He says, like a baby desires milk, you need to be desiring to be in God's Word, right? If we don't eat for a long time, we know it, right? Our stomach makes us grumpy, okay? Uh, if the preacher preaches too long on Sunday morning, we all know exactly what that feels like, right? Start looking at our watch, and we're ready to go get some lunch, right? But the question to us is, 
do we feel that way with God's Word? If we haven't been having our devotions, if we haven't been getting in God's Word, do we notice? Do we feel that, that hungry feeling in our soul for God's Word when we're not in it? Or have we just gotten used to being so you know, anemic as Christians in our spiritual life that we don't even notice when we, we miss a week or three of God's Word getting into our lives, into our soul? So it's our spiritual food. We need to be getting in God's Word because it's our spiritual food. Um, also, it's, it's the key to success. Um, many of you know this verse from Joshua 1, verse 8. Um, but Moses is telling Joshua how he can be successful as a leader. And he says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Right? That's the key to success. Um, there's a lot in this verse that I don't have time to get into, but focusing on, you know, meditating on it day and night, it's not departing out of his mouth. It's just part of who he is. And if we make God's word just a part of who we are, and then the, the key point there, observe to do according to all that is written in it, right? Making an effort to obey God's word, read it, study it, meditate on it, obey it. That is how we can have successful lives, both, you know, in, in our spiritual life, which is the most important, but also, you know, outside of church, right? There's really no separation between, you know, our sacred and our secular lives. They should be one and the same. And so the way to have success outside of the church is to have a successful spiritual life. And we do that, according to this verse, by being in God's Word. So it's our spiritual food, it's the key to success, and it's part of a lifestyle. Joshua kind of hit on this in that verse, Joshua 1.8. But James 1.22 is another very familiar verse to us. But be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Right? So when you come to church on Sunday morning, or Sunday night, or Wednesday night, or you do your devotions in the morning, if all you do is you hear God's Word, and you don't do anything about it, you're not going to have good success, right? Like that verse in Joshua, right? And you're deceiving yourself. Christianity should be a lifestyle. It should be something that permeates every area of our life because we receive God's Word and then we live it out. Right? Um, uh, in America, we kind of have this culture of Christianity where we, you know, everybody's a Christian, especially down here in the South, right? Everybody's a Christian. We got some protesters that call themselves Christians, right? But it's just this culture of, yeah, I go to church on Sunday and then I go home and, you know, live however I want the rest of the week. Um, I, I might read my Bible every once in a while when grandma's around, but... After that, I don't really care. Well, these verses say that we're deceiving ourselves. We're not really living the Christian life. It's not part of our lifestyle. It should be so ingrained in us, these daily devotions, being in God's Word and living it out, that it, it kind of identifies us as different from our culture, because that's going to be the, the difference there, the living out 
of God's word in our lives. So it's a lifestyle. So that's why, why we do it. And I don't think any of this information is new to anybody in here. But remember, we're getting back to basics, okay? We're reviewing a little bit why we do this. But then it kind of comes to a, a lot of times when I'm teaching, especially kids and teenagers, they're like, okay, well, what, what are daily devotions? You know, how, how does this happen? What do we do? Where do I start? Um, and I like to teach it like a conversation, okay? How many of you guys have a best friend that you talk to a lot? Okay, everybody that's married, raise your hand, right? You talk to your wife or your husband, okay? Right, you've got a best friend that you talk a lot to. Uh, and you talk to them, you have a conversation, right? So you sit there and you, you talk to them and they talk to you, right? You'll go over to your, their house, you might have dinner with them, whatever it is. And you've got this conversation, this dialogue going back and forth. And a lot of times if they're your best friend, then you'll pick up conversations from the last time you were around each other and keep those conversations going. But it's this back and forth of a conversation that really makes it that relationship. So when we have our relationship with God, that's, that's what daily devotions is. It's our conversation. And it, it should be an ongoing conversation with God. And so there's, there's some things going on here, okay, with the conversation. Let's break this down. First, it requires two people, okay? You got to have God and you, okay? There's, there's quiet time. There's uh, certain places. What, is it the wilds, I think? Uh, the camp, they always call it God and I time, right, if you go to their camp. Um, but that's, that's the idea, okay? This is your devotions, you and God getting alone together, right? We, we read in the example of Scripture, Jesus went off by himself to talk to the Father, right? So there's that, that concept there, that principle of having a conversation with God. Two people. There's got to be two people, right? If you can't have a conversation with yourself. And if you do, people might look at you funny, okay? If you're in a room alone talking. Um, but it requires two people, Okay, the other thing is that it requires participation. Okay, participation. You've actually got to participate in the conversation. How many of you have talked to somebody and they've not replied to you at all? And it's, okay, lots of ladies raising their hand. What is going on with that? Okay, you talk to somebody and they don't respond. That's not really a conversation. Okay, again, you might just as well be in your room by yourself talking to yourself, right? You got to talk back and forth. Okay, you've got to respond. Um, you see this a lot. Uh, people, you know, they're, they're, they're on their phone, and they text somebody, and then they wait, and they don't get a response, and they start getting worried. They're like, what's going on? Did they? You can see the little, you know, if, have they read it? Have they seen it? Facebook Messenger is great with that, right? Have they, have they seen it? Why aren't they responding? Are they mad at me? Right? Okay, so we understand this idea. You've got to go back and forth. There's got to be a response, right? More than just, you know, okay, or a little emoji, right? Um, it's, it's a back and forth. So with us, right, how do we talk to God? It was mentioned before. Prayer, right? We pray and we talk to God. That should be part of your devotions every day, praying and talking to God. Um, and I like to, when I, when I teach this to teenagers or kids or even adults, um, I like to tell people, pray before and pray after you read your Bible, right? In your devotions. It's, it's not just, you know, going through a list of things, and we could do a whole couple of weeks on prayer. Um, but you don't want to just read through your list of what, what we're doing. It, remember, it's a conversation, right? If I walked up to Josh, and every time I talk to Josh, I pull out a list and say, Josh, I need you to 
go get a new softball team so that we can win next year. Um, I need you to, okay, he, that wouldn't be a very good conversation, right? It, and that's the way we, we do prayer a lot of times, uh, is we pull out our list and read through it, right? Um, but we're not really just talking to God, right? So talk to God, pour out your heart to God. Um, this verse uh, here, Psalm 119, verse 18, I love this verse. Because this is a great thing to pray even before you open your Bible. You pray this verse and say, God, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. Right? You're praying to God and you're saying, God, talk to me through your word. God, help me understand. Give me the spirit to understand what you've written here. Right? It's talking to God, pouring out your heart. And then after you've read, pouring out... God, you've taught me this. Help me apply it. God, you, you've said this, and I want to live that out. God, I'm not doing this, and I confess that, right? And you can go in, and you can talk about those needs. You can talk about those things on your list, right? But if that's all we do, that's not a very good conversation. Um, but then, obviously, on the flip side of all of this, you've got us talking to God in prayer, but if that's all you're doing then you're not letting God talk to you. And how does God talk to us? Through His Word, right? God talks to us through His Word. Um, and this is something that's, that's really important, is that when you're doing your devotions, you've got to make sure you're actually in the Bible, right? Because that's how God talks to us. Um, two verses, and this is another thing that, that my kids on junior track really got a chuckle out of. But... Um, there's two verses that, that I like to kind of put together um, when we understand this idea of God talking to us and using His Word in our life. Um, and it's, it's one verse in Ephesians and one verse in Colossians. In Ephesians, we all know the verse, you know, Be not drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. But then there's a, a parallel verse, because when Paul was writing Ephesians, he also wrote Colossians at the same time. So we can put kind of stuff in Ephesians, stuff in Colossians together, and we can understand both passages by comparing them. So you've got that one. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. In Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And both verses after that, they keep going and say the exact same thing. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Right? So if you put these two together, okay, be filled with the Spirit and let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. You put those two things together and it kind of shows us how God's Word works in our lives, how God speaks to us. Right? If we're going to be filled with the Spirit, we also need to have the Word of Christ dwelling in us richly, God's Word in us. Right? That's why we have daily devotions. I explain it to the kids on junior trek, okay? Uh, if you're out hunting, okay, you get up in your, in your tree stand and you've got your trusty hunting rifle, okay, or if you're really adventurous, your bow, okay, but your hunting rifle, and you see that, that deer walk out into the field, you take aim and you fire, bang, drop the deer. Everybody rejoices because now we got venison, right? What is it that killed that deer? My junior track ones know that, okay? It wasn't your gun that you shot, okay? Although it was, 
okay? It was the bullet that left the gun and hit that deer and actually killed it, okay? So you better have good ammunition, okay? A nice, powerful rifle. I like to think of God's Word kind of like that. The Holy Spirit is like a little gun, okay, that we've got. But the Holy Spirit is going to use ammunition in our lives, and that ammunition is the Word of God. So the Holy Spirit can take what we read in our devotions... And when we're facing a situation and God wants to talk to us and speak into our lives in that situation, He'll use what we've read in God's Word, the verses we've memorized, and that's ammunition in the Holy Spirit gun, right into our lives, into that specific situation. Right? So God is talking to us and He'll use God's Word in our lives. Which I want to take a little detour here. Which a lot of times when we, when we like to do devotions, we like to get these little devotional books that have a verse up at the top that's about this long, maybe two sentences, and then like four paragraphs of what this person is talking about, God's Word. We all know this, but sometimes we don't live this way, okay? What has the power to change lives? It's God's Word. It's not what somebody else says about God's Word. So when we're having our devotions, we need to make sure we're actually opening the Bible and reading God's Word, because that's what the Holy Spirit is going to use as ammunition in our lives, right? It's not going to be something Pastor Nate said. It's not going to be something Pastor Jeremy said, or your Sunday school teacher, or so-and-so who wrote some devotional book, right? It's going to be God's Word, right? Now, those tools that we have are very helpful in helping us understand what God's Word is saying, right? But if our focus is on what somebody else says about God's Word, our focus is in the wrong place, right? Remember, we're having a conversation with God. We're not having a conversation with somebody else about God. Um, so here, we've got this conversation, and it, the last thing is that it requires dedication. If you're going to be focused on this conversation, right, you don't want to be distracted by anything. You want to give it the time it needs to happen. So if we're going to have our daily devotions, this conversation with God... We need to be focused on just that, right? Not our phone dinging over here, trying to get us to go to work a little bit early. Not, you know, and I know this is hard. Trust me, I've got a three-year-old, but not our kids running around, okay? It's the hardest thing. A little kid pulling on your leg saying, play with me, right? Come back to my room and play with me. I've got Legos here, right? So we got to focus, right? And I know that's hard. We've got to dedicate ourselves to this conversation with God. So that kind of moves us on over to we, we understand why, and we kind of know how, right? We pray, we read the Bible, we understand that. But let me ask you this question, and this is something that's, that's not really brought up a lot in this idea of daily devotions. It's who does daily devotions, or who should be doing daily devotions? And I think we all understand, right? Everybody should, right? I should, you should, all of that. But let me, let me take a couple of verses, and let's take that a step further. Everybody open your Bibles to Deuteronomy 6. We're going to be in Deuteronomy 6, and then we're going to flip over to actually Hebrews 10. But in Deuteronomy 6, it kind of gives us a little bit better picture of when we're in daily devotions, we understand everybody should be, I think we'd all agree on that. But if it stops there, we're missing part of the puzzle. 
And Deuteronomy 6, uh, another very popular passage, helps us out when we understand this idea of, of daily devotions. Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign of your, on your hand, and you, they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Okay, so this is a, this is a very familiar passage in Christian circles again. But we see daily devotions in here a little bit. Okay, it starts off that, you know, the, the Shema of Israel, the big creed of Israel, their, their statement that they would repeat all the time, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Right, so this is an individual thing. And everything in our spiritual lives starts on an individual level. Our relationship with God. Love God. And if you love someone, you want to have a conversation with them, right? So love God. But it moves from the individual to the family. That thing that starts as an individual, you're having daily devotions yourself it will then move to your family, right? This is a big command. A lot of times you'll hear it in, in parenting seminars or things like that, right? Parents, our job as parents is to teach these principles to our children, right? Of course, you can't teach something that you don't, yourself don't know. So it starts with yourself and you teach them to your family. So when we have daily devotions, this is a great thing where something that I as a father am doing in my own life can then pour into my ministry to my family. And so as a family, we should be doing devotions together, right? Um, this is something that, that my parents really helped me with. Um, and I understood from their example. Um, my mom... Uh, we used to always make fun of her, okay? We, we lived in Raleigh. We lived in a two-story house, and my oldest brother and I were upstairs, and Mom would be, you know, downstairs in, in the living room, and she'd have her quiet time every morning, her, her devotions, right? And my parents love coffee, just like I love coffee, okay? So she, every morning, would get up early. She was a nurse back then, and she would, um, you know, have to be at the hospital really early. Um, but she would get up get ready, and then have her quiet time. So she'd get her coffee, and she'd sit there in her little rocking chair with her spoon, and she just had this thing. We would make fun of her so much. Uh, she had this thing where she'd stir her coffee, and she'd, like, keep stirring it. And we're like, Mom, is your sugar not dissolved yet? Like, what, what is wrong? But it, we would hear that all the way upstairs. We'd hear, ding, 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 ding. And we're like, Mom, Goodness, okay, but that's what she would do, and, and as silly as that is, and we would make fun of her for that, we actually bought her one of those mugs that has the spoon attached, you know, because she just stirred her coffee constantly. We, all three of us, 
really learned from that, that habit of every day having your quiet time. Because we'd hear mom downstairs, ding, 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 ding. And we knew what she was doing, even if we were not down there. You know, and then those mornings she'd be gone before we got downstairs, we'd see her coffee mug with her spoon in it, you know, there by her chair, because that's where she left it after she had her quiet time. Right there, she has her basket still today with all of her, you know, Bible and commentaries and quiet time book and all of that stuff, right next to her rocking chair. Um, and so that instilled in me as a child that importance of, of the habit of daily devotions. Another thing my parents did is, is we would all have our devotions individually once we were older. Um, and then the, the thought was, everybody, bring your quiet time, bring your Bible, bring your stuff to dinner. So at the dinner table, we'd sit there, and we had all been reading the same passage. And so we could discuss after dinner what we read in our individual devotions. And there, that was a... a, a example of this verse, an individual thing overflowing into the family. So that's where the devotions, I mean, we, we harp on the individual devotions all the time, which is a great thing. That's where it starts, but it doesn't stop there. It moves into the family. And then if you want to go to Hebrews 10, um, I told Pastor Jeremy that I'd, I'd be doing a, a section out of Hebrews 10, which is where we go next, next week. Um, but it's near the end of Hebrews 10, so he's not going to get there for like three or four weeks. We'll be all right. But Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, if you remember, just to give us some background as you guys are flipping there, right? In Hebrews, we've been, we've been talking about Jesus is better. Jesus is greater. He's specifically in these last couple of chapters, he's the greater high priest. He's got the greater sacrifice. We've got the greater tabernacle, right? And then here in Hebrews 10, verse 19, as we, we're thinking about the sacrifice and what that means for us, Hebrews 10, 19 says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He consecrated for us, through the veil that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he who promised is faithful." And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. So in these verses, we see it, it starts with an individual and moves to the church. Starts with an individual and moves to the church. Right? We can draw near with confidence individually to the throne of grace. We can come into the holy of holies and be there in the presence of God every day and have a conversation with the creator of the universe. 
But then, right there, the author of Hebrews directly goes from that to not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, right? Consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, right? So it starts with the individual and it moves to the church. This is a great thing for a church family to be involved in. If we're all having our own individual devotions every day, having a conversation with God, when we come to church, when we come to care groups, when we come to youth group, and we can look at each other and say, what's God teaching you? Here's what God's teaching me, right? You can imagine just the dynamic that it will go on, the iron sharpening iron, the, the church coming together because of our individual worship, our individual conversation with God, bringing us together and closer to each other. Um, the camp I worked at uh, for nine years in New York with Word of Life, um, their motto or purpose statement was providing a place for families and individuals to grow closer to God and each other. And the idea was, you know, you think of like a triangle, you use this a lot in marriage seminars, right? You think of it like a triangle. If you've got two people down here and God up here, what happens as you both move closer to God? You get closer to each other, right? You're both moving closer to God, so you're moving closer to each other. The church, the family, we, it all works the same way. As we all, in our personal relationships, move closer to God, we're moving closer to each other. And just the unity, which this church has amazing unity, just imagine how greater it could be as we move closer to God and move closer to each other. And so our daily devotions, it's not just an individual thing. It's a family thing. It's a, it's a church thing, all of us together. So that kind of brings us to the, to the point of what, kind of what can we use? What can we do, right? Um, and everybody's got their own tool that they use to do daily devotions, right? And, and we don't all have to be on the same passage at the same time to discuss what God is teaching us, right? Because everybody's going to be learning different things. Um, but there is a tool that, that I like a lot, because um, I've been using it since I was four years old. Uh, it is a tool that uh, our teenagers use because we use Word of Life clubs. It's the Word of Life quiet time. Uh, and I promise this, this is not an infomercial, okay? Um, but the Word of Life quiet time is a, a great tool to help us dig into God's Word, right? And remember, this is just a tool, okay? It's like a hammer, okay? You use it to hammer in a nail, right? Uh, you still got to do the work. To get into God's Word. Um, but the Word of Life Quiet Time is a great, a great tool that can help us. And that's what's neat about, um, you know, even in the office when Jeremy is using the Word of Life Quiet Time and I'm using the Word of Life Quiet Time, I can walk down to his office and say, dude, reading in, you know, where are we now? Second Peter, right? We were reading in this. This is what I, I saw, and the commentary said this, and I don't quite agree with that, but this is what the Bible says. And it's a great tool that we can use and then kind of helps us be on the same page. Um, if you 
want to see that the inside kind of looks like this. So you see there's space up at the top to write and journal. There's commentary at the bottom. Um, a lot of you are familiar with this. If you've helped with uh, Word of Life or you've gone through uh, our, our youth group here, um, but really, you don't have to have this specific tool to use the same philosophy. Those of you that have gone through this, what are the two questions you answer in the Word of Life Quiet Time with every passage? Anybody? What is the writer saying and how can I apply this to my life? Those are, it's hard to see up there, but those are the two questions you answer. So what you do is you read a passage, whatever it is. Um, like I think this one, this one is actually for next Sunday when we start the new quiet time, and it's Proverbs 1. Start going through Proverbs. So you read that passage, right, getting into God's Word, not what somebody else says. If you're a little confused, there's commentary at the bottom, but you answer two questions. What is the writer saying? How can you apply this to your life? Right? And you can do this with any passage. I actually like to do three questions, okay, break the mold a little bit. What is the writer saying? What does that mean? And how can I apply this to my life? Right? So no matter what passage you're in, you can get a plain old Bible reading program off the internet, you know, read through the Bible in a year or read through the New Testament, you know, whatever, in a year, take it a little slower. Whatever you're reading, you answer these three questions. So you read God's Word, and then you say, what is the writer saying? Okay, what does that actually mean? right? And then how does that apply to my life today, living in America in the 21st century? You, you ask those three questions, that'll help you go through, know what it's saying, understand it, and know how you can actually live that out. Remember our verses at the beginning? Um, you take that time to observe to do all that is written therein, right? Uh, if you want a little bit more uh, fancy words, this would be your observation, interpretation, and application, right? But this is, is a tool that you can use, whether you've actually got the Word of Life quiet time or not. Um, you can, whatever you're reading in God's Word, you go through these three steps. What is the writer saying? What does that mean? How can I apply that to my life? And then that way you're, you're focused and you're, you're paying attention to that conversation. What is God trying to say through His Word? Right? And this is the great thing. We talked about it going from an individual to a family, from an individual to uh, a church. And the great thing with this, again, I don't want this to be an infomercial, but the great thing with the World Life Quiet Time is they've got it across all the different age groups. So when I said I was using the World Life Quiet Time when I was four, that's the age it starts with. Okay? So it's you know, the same passage no matter what age group you're in, whether you're four, whether you're 104, you're all on the same passage. Okay? Uh, a four-year-old will only read one or two verses out of the bigger passage that the adult's going to read, but it's the same place, right? So in our family, we get Hannah, her little quiet time book out, and it's like a coloring page, but we still read, okay, here's 2 Peter. This is what mommy and daddy read this morning. And then here's this little coloring page or, you know, trace, whatever, match, and it kind of puts it on a four-year-old's level. And then we can, we can talk about that with our, our three-year-old, actually, is what she is, but... Um, we can talk with her about that. And that's, this is what my family used. Um, this is what the, the teens use with our clubs. Um, and I just want to offer this to you guys um, because we talked about this, going to a family. So if your family doesn't have family devotions, you don't have a tool, this is a great one that I recommend. Uh, this is what I use. This is what my family uses. Um, I'm ordering Jeremy the new copy of this. 
Um, so this is a great way for, for families to all be on the same page and even for a church to all be on the same page. So you can, you know, you might be one of our senior adults, but you can walk up to one of our teenagers and say, you know what, I read in Second Peter this morning, this, this is what God said to me, this is what I'm learning, what did he teach you, right? And you see that, that possibility there. Um, so I want to just offer that to you guys. I am actually putting in, again, this is not an infomercial, but I am putting in uh, an order this week to get the teen quiet times in. So if you would like one of these, um, there is a sign-up sheet out there with two samples you can look at for a teen one and an adult one. Um, if you want to order one, I would be glad to order it for you. They're $20 um, for a book. Uh, so just put that out there. I'll get them in this week. I'll put the order in and they come in pretty fast. Um, but let's just, get, just move into application. Kind of, we, we covered a lot of ground, and I want to summarize a little bit in application. We all need to be having daily devotions. I think we understand that. But we understand also that it's not something that just stops with us. Right? It moves to the family. It moves to the church, and that responsibility is there for us as believers to, to encourage each other, to admonish each other, to help each other grow in our own relationships with Christ. So my challenge to you guys is to, to get a plan. It's a whole lot easier if you've got some type of plan when you're doing your daily devotions, and stick with it. And we can start building the, the culture in our families and in our church where devotions is kind of just permeating everything. The quiet time um, that we have with God, our conversations with God continues within the body of Christ, helping each other, strengthening each other, holding each other accountable. So we can do that. It can start in our care groups. It can start you know, in our clubs, right? We've got small groups within our clubs. Um, but this is a, the great thing about the church is that we can all help each other grow closer to God. And in doing that, we grow closer to each other. Um, Jack Wurtson, the founder of Word of Life, um, used to say, your quiet time's not done until you share it. Um, so you, you can sit there and you can read whatever, check that off, put it away, right? Obviously, we understand we need to be doers of the Word and not hearers only but that includes sharing it with other people. So your quiet time is not done until you share it. And that's what I want to leave you guys with today. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you that we have access to it and that we can, we can open it whenever we want and read it in our own language, with our own copy, of your word. I just pray that you would help each of us uh, as individuals to uh, dive into your word, that you would open our eyes so that we can see the wonderful things that come from your word, and that we would see um, our church continue to grow spiritually because of our own individual growth through our devotions, and that our families would be strengthened as we grow together spiritually and grow closer to you. And through this all, 
I pray that, that you would use that to glorify yourself and to reach our community. We pray this in your name. Amen.